are listening to Fika with Vicky on United Public Radio, 107.7 and 105.3 from New Orleans. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Fika with Vicky. It's our first episode on United Public Radio Network, and I'd like to thank them for this opportunity. Um, I'm your host, Victoria Young Benison, and but you can call me Vicky. Um, there's already some people commenting, and I'm very excited about that. But there's Janice and Brian and and wishing me good luck and I need it guys I need it okay <laughs> all right so because this is our first episode and most of us are getting to know each other for the first time I would like to use it to answer some questions about Fika with Fiki and about the whys and what's so for those of you who are unsure what Fika with what Fika is, why there is a Fika with Vicky, and um, what we plan on doing with our hour together every Thursday afternoon in the upcoming weeks or years. So first of all, well, first of all, what is Fika? Fika is a Swedish tradition or custom that involves taking a break with a hot drink and something sweet. Now, it's very easy to consider that a coffee break, but it's more than a coffee break. When I envision a coffee break, I envision, when I envision a coffee break, I envision the back of a store sitting on a big box in a large, sitting on a big bar box in a cold stock room. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, <laughs> a cold, I'm just learning where everything is. So I envision sitting in the back of, the, of a store in a cold stock room on a big box, chugging a latte as fast as I can. I envision a stark cafeteria with one of those huge industrial clocks because there's always a clock, right? And and it's just counting away the minutes you have left. Or even someone not taking a break at all and trying to drink their coffee without spilling it on their computer or their paperwork at their desk. A coffee break feels rushed, like there's something you have to get back to. And that's not Fika. Fika is something more than that. It's about that connection you make with friends and family or even somebody new. It's, it's even if you talk about business, it doesn't have that same sense of urgency. And, and so when I envision Fika, I envision sitting at a kitchen table with my grandmother, listening to stories of banshees and leprechauns, the death coach and ghosts. I imagine a younger self sitting in a coffee shop with friends late at night, the darkness creating a veil between us and the world beyond, allowing us to ponder, consider, um, 
dream about our lives to come, whether they were realistic or not. It didn't matter. We were open to any possibilities. Um, it even reminds me of when I was a young mother and went out with a friend for a couple hours to reconnect with the world that I had left behind for a bit with my new responsibilities. Fika is comfortable. It's cozy. It's timeless. It gives you the feeling that there isn't anything more important than that moment with those people. And so that is the atmosphere, the mood that I would like to bring to Fika. And I understand we can't all meet in person. I, for example, do not have enough chairs, but it does, it does. Oh, Brian, 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 wait, where is this? Brian. There it goes. Brian baked some blueberry muffins to add Fika to my day. Oh, Brian, you're too far away to send them to me, but I can smell them baking. And thank you for that. All right. So now I hold over and I press hide. I'm hiding you, Brian. Okay. So if you are not a reader and it does say book chat, I don't want you to go running away, like sit right back down and listen to the rest of this that I'm going to say right now. Even though I say book chat, you know, on titles and posters, you got to sort of compact things so that they'll fit. What I really mean is story-based. So we will be discussing screenplays, um, those movies and television series that you love. Storytelling live storytelling, whether it's by a fireplace or on an oceanfront. Puppets. I'm pretty sure we're going to have some puppets in the near future, and I'm rather excited about that. So any kind of story that you love in any way or format. So, you know, go put your coffee back down and sit back down because, um, there's a lot more. There's, there's going to be exciting days ahead. Okay, so the next question is, why is there a Fika with Fiki? And the reason I'm answering that is because the reason there is a Fika with Fiki sort of streams its way through the upcoming weeks and why we have the guests that we have. And yes, it's true. Other weeks we will have guests. You're not going to be just looking at me. Um, there's some interesting people coming up. So what is my agenda? Why is there a Fika with Vicky? Now, there, the most basic reason, and we'll get into the less basic reasons, of course, later. The most basic reason for Fika with Vicky <clears throat> is a bit of a personal story, which I, which I sort of spent nights awake saying, do I share this or not? But it also goes into other stories I'm going to tell today. And it, um, it's just part of the story. So here we go. The history of Fika with Vicky. Once upon a time, uh, several years ago, I was diagnosed with an oral allergy syndrome. Now this is not a terrible thing. So, um, there doesn't have to be any, <gasps> but 
because my symptoms were a little worse and they sent me to the hospital a couple of times with a swollen tongue, it was suggested that I spend less time outside. And so this was starting to get to me after a while because I love to camp. I love to hike. I loved, you know, sitting in an outside cafe, um, listening to jazz music, going to outdoor festivals. And also, I mean, I could do those things, but I had to take the medication and that made me kind of drowsy. So it wasn't making for a good quality of life. And I also, which probably was another reason, um, stopped driving because I didn't want to I didn't want to um, harm anybody um, because I was drowsy. Hello, Suzanne. It's good to see you. So I started feeling like my life was suffocating, even though my tongue was no longer swelling up and it was getting smaller. And I started on the whole poor, poor Vicky thing, as we do. So I'm not going to feel bad for that. And you can't make me feel bad for that. And then I stopped and I thought, Vicky, there are people that have been going through this for years. I mean, they have much more serious illnesses. They're taking care of loved ones. They may not be in a situation where they can drive somewhere. You know, you need to meet those people, but they can't get out. So then it occurred to me that having a way to talk to them, to discuss the things that we do enjoy, that bring us happiness, like stories, would be the way to go. And conveniently, my husband was starting a radio show at the time. And so I said, please, may I borrow your mic and your um, a little bit of your time to talk about books? And he said, yes. And so it began. And not only did my life stop shrinking, but it kaboomed into this just amazing world where I was meeting people and running around scheduling authors and everything just because kabooms can be very good as well. You know, they're not always blowing things up. Sometimes they're creating new, like the universe. So, um, so that is my big bang theory. So anyways, my world and um and and so that is the basic history of fika now there are other reasons why fika exists and um because i mean life is complicated or maybe i'm just complicated you can answer that question in the comments so gratitude the ability to say thank you to the people who bring us these books that bring us those things that mean something in our life and changes them i mean they always seem to be so far away and that we we don't have that proximity to say you know what thank you for this line thank you for this um phrase or this idea uh this morning i would have said thank you mr stallone for rocky I mean, any of us of a certain age have not woken up one morning and needed to hear that theme song, okay? I listened to it several times this morning because my son sent it to me, and, and it helped. So thank you. Now, I'm going to tell another story about when I learned that gratitude was important. Um, 
So another several years ago, um, well, let's go back to my childhood. When I was a child, we only had like five stations. And, you know, that was the way it was for a lot of people. So I didn't have a lot of options with viewing. And I was quite happy with the options I had because I didn't know any better. I didn't know that this world was going to change and I could watch Bewitched anytime I wanted to. So I had my usual shows. But I came home from school one day and there was a new show that was colorful and random and silly with all these costumes and it just went kaboom. There were so many ideas involved in that show that it just, it just brightened my day. So later on, I got to meet the co-creator and one of the stars of that show, Mitch Markowitz, and say to him, thank you. I mean, all I wanted to say was thank you because it made such a difference to me. I never considered why it made a difference to me, but it made a difference to me. And he said, Mitch Markowitz said, why? And then that brought on a conversation or a fika about why this show had meant so much and had influenced my life. Later, I was given the opportunity to work with him at Comic Cons. And so I met people who drove, like me, wanted to say thank you. And they drove miles miles, hours to get in a line to say, thank you. And this is how you affected my life. And so I connected with those people with their whys and my whys. And um, we were pretty much ready to go out for supper um, because sometimes Mitch takes a while to get back to the table. But to be able to say thank you for what someone has given us is such a gift. I, I can't even say how much, just say thank you to anyone that you feel has touched your life in some way. That's it. So we can't do that always in person. And that's where Fika, with Vicky comes in, I can possibly write someone and ask them to come to the show. And they occasionally say yes. No, I've, I've had quite a bit of luck with that. So they will say yes. And so I can say thank you to them. You can say thank you through your comments. You know, that gives you that closer chance to really, to really say those things. Another reason, and um, we're going to go in, I'm a bit of a free range reader. Now, I'm not sure if that's an actual term, but I thought of it for this show and I'm going to use that. So what it means is I'm not one of those people who has a list and checks it off and says, I need to read this book and this book. No, I just go out there and I pillage the shelves, I pillage the internet and whatever falls in my lap. Um, is what I'm reading. Yes. So Susan says, I always listen to Susan. She's the lady with the puppets. She knows what she's talking about. Susan says, what does Susan say? 
Susan says, yes, gratitude for warm connections that give us a sense of really belong, existing, and celebrating. Yes, celebrating is the word, Susan. See what I listen to, Susan. Celebrating is the word to celebrate that gratitude in that moment and that time. So back to where we were. I'm a free range reader and I just go through shelves and, keep, and look for the book that I want in that moment. I, you know, listen around to say, hear what books are curious. So one day I was watching Steel Magnolia's The Show and there was a comment there. Um, oh, I see, I tried to remember things, but I wrote down I wrote down the quotes because I didn't want to forget them and I tried to put them all in a grand order. And so it, um, it went away. So basically this quote is when you go to college and I apologize to the writer of the show, when you go to college, if you meet someone who likes the fountainhead or catcher in the rye, or both run away. So I, and then they chuckle. So I have read The Fountainhead, so I have some understanding why that might be said, but I had never read Catcher in the Rye. And so, oh, Mr. Salinger, Mr. Salinger, where is your quote? So I proceeded to need to read Catcher in the Rye because my curiosity told me I needed to know, I needed to know, um, I'm sorry, gods are not with you today, Vicki. I needed to know why. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you should run away, but some writer on, some writer on Steel Magnolias said this. Oh, okay. We're just going to go with it. So, so, oh, I know where it is. Okay, I'm sorry about that. Um, so, if I say so one more time. Okay. What Mr. Salinger said in the first few pages, they might have been the first page of Catcher in the Rye, is what really knocks me out is a book that when you're done reading it, you wish the author that wrote it was a terrific friend of yours and you could call him up on the phone whenever you felt like it. That doesn't happen much. So first of all, I would like to say to Mr. Salinger, it happens to me a lot. And, um, and that is really another reason I do figure with Vicki because I like to talk to the authors and to ask them why they wrote the things they wrote. Um, I've actually put this quote at the top of my Facebook page, Fika with Vicky, so that you can write, there's a picture of an old timey phone um, from the 50s, the ringing kind, the kind that I had when I started watching The Hilarious House of Frankenstein. Um, so go, if you go to Fika with Vicky, and if you see that, please write down what author you would like to call and talk to and even what you would like to talk about. And while you're there, like the page, because you will see I have not been very good at pushing my social media. And due to our friendly algorithms, that's something that I need to do so I can get the word out about some of these authors. So please help with that. 
as well. So um, I have been known to read a book and then message the author the next day if I feel um, they might be sympathetic the, about like, no, why did you kill that character? Or you kept me up all night and I have a show to do today. Um, but even though I thought they were sympathetic, they weren't. Uh, they laughed joyfully and felt more confident because they had affected my emotions. And you know, <laughs> authors are great people and courageous people because they spend forever working on something that they don't know if people are going to like. They don't know if, if it's going to be successful. They just doggedly sit there and work on it day in and day out and pour out their insides. And, and so um, that is, that is what authors are and what they do. Now, there's more reasons why there's a figure with Vicky, but we'll get to that later. Okay, so um, story time again, I think. Uh, so you remember that I said that um, I had oral allergy syndrome and it made me cranky. Well, that brings us to the Gutenberg Project. How, you ask? Because that's a mighty big jump, Vicky. And it is, but, you know, those are the kinds of jumps I take in thinking. So the Gutenberg Project, if you're if you don't know, is a place you can get free books online. When they reach the public domain, there's usually a list in January of what books will be now available. And it the, the rules and laws differentiate between countries, but you know, it's usually around 50 years or so. So you can go in there and you can see the origins of a lot of stories. For example, Cinderella, as lovely and entertaining as Disney is, did not have, and it wasn't Disney that started the fairy godmother stuff. So, you know, it just happened along the way. Did not originate with a fairy godmother. No, it did not. When the Brothers Grimm first read about, wrote, a, a, and the Brothers Grimm's didn't, originate the stories either. They were stories that were folklore and they went throughout the land. And what the Brothers Grimm's did was record them. So instead of a fairy godmother, I'm going to read a little bit from Cinderella because it is public domain. And so Cinderella's father marries the stepmother, the stepdaughter sisters move in and the father is going to the market and he asks them if there's anything they want. And the stepsisters asked for jewelry and dresses, and Cinderella asked for the first twig that brushed against him. So, and on his way home, as he rode through the green copse, a sprig of hazel brushed against him. So he broke it off, and when he got home, he gave it to his daughter. Then she took it and went to her mother's grave and planted it there and cried so much that it was watered with her tears and there it grew and became a fine tree and soon a little bird came and built its nest upon the tree and talked with her and watched over her and brought her whatever she wished for so 
having read that and because I like to have merch and real physical things to go with my stories, but I don't actually always like to purchase the merch because <clears throat> whatever my reasons are, they don't matter. So I wanted to have a Hazel Cinderella wand. And so Hazel is not very common in, in my area. Um, you can't just go out and find a Hazel tree growing. So what I did is I called, I, I called um, a Hazel nursery. There were two in our area and asked them if I could please have, when they, when they prune the trees, if we could possibly have some of the twigs and sticks so that my husband, who was doing such at the time, could make me a Cinderella wand. And so this wand is Hazel and it has a little bird on it for making wishes come true. And that is my organic merch from Cinderella. Now, why did I tell you that whole story? Because this comes back to the oral allergy syndrome and our guest for the first week of, after this one, of Fika with Fiki. So while I was doing my poor, poor Fiki thing, I did, aside from creating Fika, I did what I always do. I started looking for stories that would relate to my situation and that I could use to pull myself out of my situation. So while I was doing this, I found the story of the Kalik, Kalik, and Kalik. There is Irish, and there are many different ways to pronounce it. There isn't many different ways to pronounce it, but it doesn't look like it's pronounced. So even though I just went and looked up how to pronounce it, I'm going to say Kalik, and we'll see where that goes. So I found the story of the Kalik, and what it is is this ancient goddess who represents winter so she would get mad and angry if spring started coming okay so i was sort of in the thing i'm like okay I'm, I'm with her on this spring is bringing pollen i'm stuck inside again but not only that she would take her hazel wand or staff and throw it under a holly bush in a fit about the grass growing and so since i had a hazel wand and I do have a holly bush. Um, I thought, you know what? If I didn't love this one so much, I'd be throwing it too. And I'd throw it at that holly bush, which I also love, and the grass wouldn't grow underneath it. So I wanted to know more about the Kalik. And so I went online and I started searching books. And while I was searching books, I came across one by Rachel Patterson. And I love Rachel Patterson's books. Okay, right from the beginning, right from the Kalik, because she inspires you to do stuff. Um, you know, she will have, I call them activities, but <laughs> they're just rituals. Um, they There's things in that book to work through, you know, self-guilt. There's things, because honestly, in this world, when you get sick, it just obviously is your fault. Everybody's like, what did you do? What did you look whatever? Um, so you immediately have this feeling of guilt for that. You have a feeling um, of guilt because you can't do what you used to. And you're telling all these people no to going out or whatever. And, and so her ritual 
in that book of putting down a piece, a stone, I used sea glass um, to get rid of all of these little pieces of guilt really makes a difference in your mood. And so not only that, I was pretty smart in picking up Rachel's book because she has been named in Mind and Body Spirit Magazine, one of the 100 most spiritual, influential living people in 2023. So congratulations on that, Rachel, if you're listening. Um, she has like, she's a kitchen witch, and she has like 25 books out there, I think. So we'll be touching them on them all a little bit. I don't want to say all because there's 25, but we will be discussing most certainly a witch for every season. Now, I know what you're saying, Vicki. You're saying, but you said this was going to be fiction and um, memoirs. And so it is. But in fiction, there are characters. And one of the characters in fairy tales that is, is the witch. And I think it's important to, you know, discuss what a fictional witch is and what a real witch is because superstitions can start and superstitions lead to some very tragic moments in history and in understanding each other. So in understanding stories, we need to understand um, the characters behind them. Speaking of characters, I also think we're all the characters in the story. So you don't get to be just the princess or the hero or whatever. At some point, you're going to be Gollum. And you need to understand that and think, okay, what kind of Gollum-y thing did I did today? do today? So Rachel is going to be joining us next week. And I'm very happy about that because um, she is fun. She also has a Friday um streaming show and you can't watch that show without feeling good afterwards so i'm really looking forward to having a conversation with rachel so we have done this and that and the other thing um okay also with so where are we going to find all these stories that we're going to read? And I do believe that this is a golden age for story. You can't, you know, there's bookshops, there's libraries, there's, you can get books online from libraries. Libraries have streaming sources. There is streaming of movies and television everywhere. There is just, uh, we are so lucky and blessed to come as a civilization from only having oral storytellers. So you had to have the storyteller there to where we are now. It is just an amazing journey. And I think we're going to discuss some of that journey along our way. I'd really like to get into the history of storytelling and communicating those stories. So we'll be working on that. I also want to say that any of the shits or shouldn'ts of reading out there um, that there are, that there are, Michelle, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't always understand these terms. Okay. Um, so,
what <clears throat> sorry um so there are stories everywhere and so the dishes and shouldn'ts of where you should buy your books or what you shouldn't do in getting your books or whatever. Once again, that's something I'm not going to think about. I'm not suggesting you steal them. Never steal a story. But I'm just going to sleep at night and let those ride. Um, another thing, you know, uh, the myth or the indie writer versus the Project Gutenberg. Yes. did Yes, Project Gutenberg. Didn't I say Project Gutenberg? Okay, so back to the Cinderella story. You can find it at Project Gutenberg. Thank you. Thank you for the corrections, people, because I'm I'm just going everywhere. So um so indie writers. There are a lot of fantastic indie writers out there. They work professionally with editors and and cover designers quite often. They haven't even tried to be published, a lot of them, because they, uh, because they haven't started writing until they're retired. And publishing is a long, long process. So they found their voice and, oh, Gollum what? <laughs> okay, why are we going to be Gollum? Because we are all the characters in the story. And so we don't get to be just the good characters, okay? We don't get to just be, you know, um, Frodo or Gandalf. And I threw Gollum in there because I felt like it was a story that most people that, that most people know. But if you don't know who who Gollum is, he is a character from Lord of the Rings. And he is probably the most unloved character, but he is also probably the character that moved the story along the most. So some days you're going to be Gollum. You're not going to be completely loved. You're not going to be understood. People are going to despise you, but you're still you. And, and that's just a story from a different perspective. You may be seeing yourself as a hero, but somebody else may be seeing the things that you do as less than positive. Brian, yes, different countries also have their own Gutenberg servers. This is important because different countries, okay, I'm going to put this up, different countries show Different countries also have their own Gutenberg servers. This is important because different countries have different copyright periods and want to focus on local authors. Okay, so this is true. There is Australia Gutenberg project. There is a American, England, Great Britain, I think it's called UK, um, Canada, all the countries have their different ones because yes, some are 50 years, some are 70 years. And that makes a difference if you want to use that, if you want to use that story in terms of something like I did here. I could read a whole book here if it if it works with this country's rules and regulations. Okay, so it is Project Gutenberg, very important people. Um, donate if you can. Um, I think we covered Gollum. And now we are back to, okay, indie authors. 
are there are some um, there are many amazing indie authors out there um and so i don't think they should be dismissed because they haven't been published i'm there's lots of people that don't dismiss them i'm just saying that sometimes it's a thing so i wanted to because i wanted to bring this book out before and i didn't and i want to make sure that i did now for example the bridge of sighs and dreams by pamela allegretto <clears throat> if you can see no there's going to be sunlight there's going to be light affecting that is one of the, the most wonderful books I would say it's up there with the books that I have read. It's about two women's stories um, as they survive Nazi-occupied Rome. And it certainly hits every emotion that you can have. I mean, you're sad, um, you're scared. There's some happy thrown in there as well. It's like real life stuff. So if you get a moment, check out bridge of size and dreams by pamela allegretto i just you won't i don't feel that you will be sorry at all for doing that so we will have published authors we will have indie authors um <clears throat> i'm just going to go over for the next <clears throat> four weeks um and i will probably do that so that you in the future so that you can read the books that um, we're going to have possibly ahead of time. So we're going to have Rachel Patterson and The Kitchen Witch and Spiritual um, Influencer. We are going to read Three Funerals for My Father by Jolie Huang Huang. And it is a story, it is a memoir mixed with stories. It's an interesting combination about her escape, her family's escape from Vietnam and as one of the boat people and her father's um, and losing her father, forging a new life. It's just, it's about courage and overcoming tra childhood trauma to a degree that I can't even imagine. So Jolie will be joining us in two weeks. And I'm really looking forward um, to that as well. After that, we will be talking to Sarah Archer. And she's the author of the rom-com. Oh, the rom-com. And we'll come back to that name. Sorry, it's a lot. Uh, it's, it's a lot. Um, she's the author of a fantastic funny rom-com. She is also a screenwriter. She writes amazing poetry. I, I'm going to have her read some of the stuff that I love on in three weeks. And she's, um, she's going to read some of her new stuff that I haven't even seen yet. So definitely look, we're looking forward to that. The plus one. Yes. Okay. So it's sort of a science fiction-y fantasy. Um, that shouldn't stop you. I am not, I will say I am not the hugest science fiction fan, but I laughed at this book. Hilarious. It was very funny. So she will be talking about her experience with screenplays, that, her poetry, and um, yes, she does some workshops and talks. She's a really busy lady as well. So Sarah will be 
joining us um, soon. And finally, on the fourth week ahead, we have Barbara Katteruman. And she is returning. She has a cozy mystery series. But she also called the cozy mystery series. And she also has, she is just, she is just writing short stories like mad okay and she sent me her duck for cover duck for cover book of short stories and i absolutely adored it um she also sent me afterwards because i was like i can get vengeful in my reading so i'm like oh those people really got what they deserve so she sent me why she wrote those books and you know she's not quite as revengeful as i am she had some great reasons so as far as prompts and inspiration and jutting it off, she's a very good example of doing that. So I I would love to talk to her about that as well. Um, she also co-wrote a book with her son, Josh, a couple years ago. And we've discussed that before on Fika, but I think we should bring it up again. Um, it's about the Grove bringing justice to the Grove Four in Florida. And as far as an activist, aside from the journey that Josh took in doing this, which is amazing, all credit for him. When I read that and later, here we go. Um, she's, and later, um, it's almost a how-do book of getting things done out there. If they bother you and you want to make a change, this book, following his journey, gives you some great hints of who to contact and what um, and what you need to do. So that is the accidental activist because this whole thing did start accidentally for Josh and um, a great read. <clears throat> Her cozy mystery series is called the James Jamie Quinn Mystery and it's funny and takes place in Florida. And as I said, the one of the short story books she sent me was Duck for Cover. But if you go check her out, I think there's a bundle of four of her short stories. So that is on. And I'm just going to look at my plans for world domination here. Some of you have your names in this book. I'm just wondering. I'm just wondering if you're aware of that and whether you should be cautious. Okay, so January 19th, it was me. January 26th, we'll have Rachel Patterson. February 2nd, we'll have Jolie Fuang Huang. February 9th, we'll have Sarah Archer. <clears throat> and February <clears throat> 16th, we'll have Barbara Van Katteruman. And once again, if you go to my Fika for Vicky Facebook page, I will have those listed for you so that you can read ahead if you want to. Um, that's always fun to do. Now, I said that I wasn't much of a science fiction reader, but... Recently, I have developed quite a thing for Ray Bradbury. And it started, in, it started, as I said, 
free range reading. I just, I wanted to find a book and I knew, I knew, um, I knew, sorry, still getting ready of this. So, um, my pet apothecary, Allison says, Awesome, Vicki. Looking forward to listening weekly to your broadcast. Three cheers for day one. Thank you, Allison. You're very kind. And um, I'm not sure if I'm three cheering myself, but, you know, I'll get over it. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I was free ranging it and I was just going through this, I can't find the book I want phase. Like there was something out there I was looking for. And so I was imaginary going through all my sources, just looking at books and throwing them over my shoulder and um, not getting anywhere. And then I went on my little magic book box and saw what I had in there. And I was reading Ray Bradbury's Zen in the Art of Writing. And there was something I've always loved. I have always loved something wicked this way comes and the Halloween tree. But there was something in him telling about his own life that really, um, that really made me think I like this man. Like he's funny. He's caring for his family. You know, he's a great guy. So I, thought, you know what, I have to read Fahrenheit 451. Um, it's one of those books that you're supposed to read, apparently. I don't really pay attention to that list, and um, I had never gotten around to reading it. So I went to my library, and I, amazingly enough, that book is, was there. Because sometimes, you can, for these kind of books, for the classics, um, especially recently, you can wait forever. Like you can be 40th in line. So Fahrenheit 451 was there. And as I started reading it, I realized it was the book. It was the book I was looking for. And Ray Bradbury had come to my rescue, even though the book was written in 1953. It was speaking to me that particular day. And so I'd like to do a show sometimes on writers past, you know, how we feel about them, how they've changed our lives. And Mr. Bradbury just really spoke to me in that moment. And so, yeah go on my Facebook page, Fika with Vicky, and say, who has really spoken to you? I honestly want the feedback, guys, not to get you on my Facebook page, but because I want to know what you like. As, once again, you see, I don't do the numbers well, so I don't care. Except to get the authors out there for myself, you know, whatever. But I want to know what you want. So if you're not going to tell me in the columns and things, go to the Facebook page and comment. You, I take it back. You don't have to like the face, follow the Facebook page. Just comment what books and authors really, really mean something to you. So this is something that Mr. Bradbury said to me, me particularly and personally. He didn't do no. <laughs> It was in the book and it spoke to me. Cram the... 
cram them full of non-combustible data, choke them, so damned full of facts that they feel stuffed, but absolutely brilliant with information. Then they'll feel their thinking and they'll get a sense of motion without moving and they'll be happy because facts of that sort don't change. Don't give them any slippery stuff like philosophy or sociology to tie things up with. And so for me at that moment, that spoke to me about the world and things that were happening around. And it just amazes me that some, and this happens quite a bit. Someone from can write in 1953, something that is so relevant today, it just goes to show you that the human condition, we as people, our relationships and our problems, I'll stop flipping this card now, um, our problems don't change that much. You know, if you read Ivanhoe, there's a lot of the same situation going on back in Robin Hood days that are going now. Um, the same accusations being thrown at people. If you, it, it, it doesn't matter what book you, it just amazes me. So we, so this is where Project Gutenberg really comes in and it comes in handy. We can all read the same book. It doesn't matter what our budget is. We can go in and we can find one of these books and we can read it and discuss it. Now, Ray Bradbury, Fahrenheit 451 isn't there yet, but your local library will have it. And um, I would really like to have a Ray Bradbury day. I mean, I'm just saying. So that is another thing you can see on Fika with Vicky at certain times. Uh, we'll just stop and we'll just discuss an author from the past because we can't interview him, but we can get to know him through his words. Now we're going to go back and discuss some of the some of some of the things that um, some of the stories that relate to people judging people on what they read and not understanding exactly. You know, which is one of the reasons why a lot of people like to use their little magic story boxes um, because they don't actually have a cover of a book when they're in a subway or whatever, and nobody has to know what they're reading. But sometimes we also have a certain perspective of what people are thinking, and it may not be what they're thinking at all. So, for example, I was at a garage sale, which is one of my favorite places to find books because I believe the story gods have placed them there for me to find for a future use. And I might have said that already. But anyways, I was at a garage sale that some friends were having. And they obviously know me. When one of them yelled, Vicky, we have the encyclopedia of witchcraft and demonology and Ian thinks you would probably like it. So at that moment, everybody around me stopped and they all looked at me. And I, of course, was like at a garage sale. So I'm like, how much do you want for it? And they said $2 and I'm like, I'm taking it. Okay. I never know when I'm going to write a book and need to know more about demons or whatever. So <clears throat> I added this book to my pile. Now I thought that those people were looking at me funny because they were thinking what kind of person wants to learn more about witchcraft and demonology. Yeah. And that, that was really unfair 
to them. Because one, if somebody yells across a crowded area, um, it is just natural response, a natural response to to turn around and see what's happening. I mean, it's a it's a survival instinct. So they could be turning around for that reason. Um, they could have been interested to see just how much. Uh, encyclopedia of witchcraft and demonology costs. Or they could have been thinking, if she doesn't take it, I'm going to. And if that person had been outspoken, I would probably have a friend for life. Because, um, you know, we need to read without any form of prejudice. Otherwise, it doesn't mean every book is right. You don't believe everything you read out there, okay? You don't believe everything you hear about that. You take multiple sources, you throw in some common sense, and you get the answer that you're looking for. So when my answer, and back to the why I believe that the storybook gods are offering me what I need at garage sales and used bookstores, is that having, I told the story to some friends the other day, and I went to find the book because I wanted to make sure that it really was $2 and I wasn't incorrect in my facts, in my story, because... I tend to embellish. That's what storytellers do. So, <clears throat> so I went and I found that. And I looked this book up. And this book actually has a lot, my, my latest interest, has a lot of interest in, has a lot of information on witchcraft, starting back to the 1800s and how, um, and how, you know, people thought they were thinking so rationally during the um, the witch trials, and they just weren't. And how and how ideas about you know witches have changed, or they should be changing. Or there's even a reviewer that said that you know this book really makes you feel feel empathy for the victims of, of this um, horrendous historical event. So Russell Hope Robbins is the author. And this book is most steadily at some point um, down the line. And we're taking a look at fictional witches and um, real witches. Um, this is, is an important thing because sometimes I get mad at Supernatural because they bring all their witches are evil. I think there's a good one near the end. So I just want to think, boys, it's not the way it is. And they deal with fictional witches and I just had to get over it. So kind of. So this is the way, you know, there are that fiction works. Um, you cannot, it is fiction. It's truths are more about loyalties and and um, love and because you can put it in a situation where you can see the characters doing it and you don't have to stick with your nose over the neighbor's fence or talk to them with their friends. I mean, it's much easier to say, um, you know, this is what Guinevere was looking for in a man, Guinevere being from King of. Arthur and there's lots of stuff and I do want to get into King Arthur I mean the Knight's Tales um, Robin Hood uh, the old stories that all old stories the legends the myths the things that all the stories we read today are based on um, we are getting close 
to the end. I think we have, um, oh, that says I'm over. Okay, um, my clock does. Okay, so I'm going to end now. Remember to come back next week and see us with um, Rachel Patterson, Kitchen Words, which spiritual influencer. Um, until then, may your coffee be hot and your story sweet. Thank you for listening to me on this first day when I get back into the swing of things. Take care. Yep. I'm going to get there, people. <laughs>